0: Hello again and welcome back to Daily Devotions with North Clay Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Drew and I'm very excited to be with you once again walking through another book of the Bible. And I'll actually be with you for all three of John's epistles, beginning this morning with the epistle of 1 John. Now John wrote this letter in order to instruct his readers about false teaching, uh, specifically a false teaching that denied the reality that Jesus Christ, the eternal second person of the Trinity, had come in the flesh. This false teaching known as dostatism, which comes from the Greek word dokeo, which means to seem or to appear, uh, this false teaching taught that Christ only appeared to be human. In other words, when the scriptures tell us that the Word became flesh, uh, what it actually means is that the Word only appeared to be flesh. Now this is significant because if Christ were not truly human, then He would be unable to die, and if he were unable to die, then he would have been unable to provide an atonement for our sins. So while it may seem somewhat trivial on the surface, right? was he actually human or did he just seem to be human? Uh, We see that to deny the incarnation and the true humanity of Christ has very significant implications for our understanding of salvation. In fact, much of the New Testament teaching on salvation would prove to be false if Jesus Christ were not fully God, as well as fully man. And this is why Christology, which simply refers to the Bible's teaching on the uh, person of Christ, this is why Christology has always been considered a primary issue. And to deny fundamental biblical teaching about who Christ is, is to place oneself outside of Christian orthodoxy. This is also why it isn't, uh, is very important when dealing with the cults or really anyone who claims the name of Christ, it's important to ask the question, well, which Christ are we talking about? You see, because the Mormon Christ, who was once a man, who became a god, that is not the Christ of the Bible. And the Jehovah's Witness Christ, who is actually the Archangel Michael, the first and greatest creation of Jehovah God, that is not the Christ of the Bible. And the secular Christ, who was just a nice guy and maybe a good teacher, but certainly not the God of the universe. That is not the Christ of the Bible. So while docetism proper is really not an issue anymore today, we do see a continued misunderstanding of the person of Christ, both in secular culture as well as the cults. So we must pay careful attention to John's words here in this letter if we are to refute the false Christs in our day. And so John opens this letter similarly to the way he opened his gospel. If you recall, John's gospel opens with this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. That light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. And in this first epistle, he opens with this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. We see here in the opening of this letter with John's use of similar language that he is self-consciously tying himself to the same Christ that he proclaimed in his gospel, the eternal Word who was made flesh, who took on flesh and dwelt among us. John then goes on to explain that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. So, if we claim the name of Christ, and yet we continue to walk in darkness, we are in fact liars. Now, this is not an affirmation of sinless perfectionism. Uh, Rather, as new creatures in Christ, who are being sanctified by the power of the Spirit, we can shine a light on our sins uh, rather than hide them in darkness. Uh, this is why John t- says in verses um, 8 and 9 if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because Christ died for our sins, because he took upon himself the penalty that we deserved because of our sin, we can freely confess our sins, knowing that our sins have been atoned for and that there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in him. Then in chapter 2, John continues this thought by telling us, My my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He then says in verse 4, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now this is similar to what we learned from James's letter. Uh, if you recall, James asked the question, if we say we have faith and yet we do not have good works, do we truly have saving faith? And here John is telling us that if we say we know Christ and yet we do not keep his commandments, we're in fact liars. So in the same way that you cannot have true faith apart from works, you cannot have saving knowledge of Christ apart from keeping His commands. John then tells us in verse, uh, in verse 18, "'Children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour.'" Now, if you grew up like me, reading the Left Behind books and watching the Left Behind movies, uh, your ears may have perked up at the mention of Antichrist. And while I don't want to get into an eschatological discussion here in this devotional, it is important to note that John's mention of Antichrist uh, in this letter, as well as in 2 John, that these are the only mentions of Antichrist in the entire Bible. Jesus does not mention Antichrist in his eschatological discourse on the Mount of Olives, and John never mentions Antichrist in his Revelation. So. If we are rightly to understand the definition of Antichrist, rather than import information from elsewhere, be that books of the Bible or uh, perhaps maybe non-biblical books that we may have read, rather than import information from elsewhere, we must come to define Antichrist in light of how John defines it in his letter. And in verse 22, he gives us an explicit definition. There he says, who is the liar? but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. There we see that rather than being a single political end times figure, uh, John defines the Antichrist as one who denies the Father and the Son. Then in chapter three, John begins to spell out the distinction between the children of God and those of the world. He tells us in verses 4 through 6, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. John is highlighting that familiar truth, that those who have been indwelt by the Spirit will walk in step. With the Spirit, namely, that they will put to death the deeds of the flesh. And as the great commentator Matthew Henry says in his commentary on this passage, quote, Beware of self-deceit. He that doth righteousness is righteous, and to be a follower of Christ shows an interest by faith in his obedience and sufferings. But a man cannot act like a devil and at the same time be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let us not serve or indulge that which the Son of God came to destroy. End quote. And as John concludes this letter, he tells us in verses 23 and 24, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. How do we know that God abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us? By keeping His commands. If we have been born again, if we have been given God's Spirit and a new heart, let us keep in step with the Spirit by putting to death our sin and walking in obedience to Christ.